So hi, Grifters. You are listening to the Leverage 10 podcast, and this is actually our final podcast for the Leverage summer season. Why? <laughs> oh, because the season actually because is this, this, over. All right. Yeah, yes, and, sorry. Yeah, you know, Doing the, that's why. Yeah. As all the Leverage 10 more podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> exactly. That's that's next. So, as always, I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and today I'm joined by our usuals, executive producers and co-creators of Leverage, John Rogers and Chris Downey. Hey. Hello. And today we're joined by story editor and one of the writers on this episode, Jeremy Bernstein. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thanks for all of you for being here. You're not going to do any podcasts during the interim? We, we might. We kind right. of think That's you guys may need a break. You know? miss you. That's a break. Right. I mean, the, you know, you I think America will miss your voice. It's true, but Lever- absence makes the heart grow fonder. Leverage recipes, I don't think people uh, are that interested yeah. in. Uh, road trips thief the team juice. has taken the that you didn't see. Recipe for thief juice? People want the thief juice recipe. You know what? I'm gonna, I, should call, I should call Will Wheaton because he brews his own beer. Yeah. And have Will do thief juice. Like, come up with That's thief good. juice. That would be fantastic. Mm. We'll throw some things in here and there in the interim. So for this one, we've gathered your fan questions from both Twitter and Facebook. So if everyone's ready, we'll just jump right in. Yay. So number one, Mags MC said, was this episode approached in the same way as 10 Little Grifters? Did you plan the clues out to ensure no cheating? Oh, it was different Pretty. from <laughs> 10 yeah. Little Grifters. I don't know, it was the same or different. Yeah, no, we, uh, Jeremy, it was a nice combination because Jeremy and Jeff and I are all kind of the closest to the fans of this kind of thing. Jeremy, of course, was a, uh, worked in game design. Uh, I have a serious fetish for Nick and Nora and the 1970s crime shows, as does Jeff. So, yeah, we actually broke it pretty pretty hard, clue-wise. I mean, we really made sure that all, everything lined up and, you know, there was a real misdirect in the middle and, you know, classic classic writing. There was, I think there was a period early on when we were coming up with it where we hadn't quite settled on because everyone did have a motive and we hadn't quite settled on who exactly had done it. I think we were always leaning towards the sun, but we were sort of like, well, let's see if we come up with something more interesting uh, than than that, but I think that was just for a couple of days. By the yeah. by, the time we were really into breaking it out, we we had settled on the sun because that was just the best yeah. story that we that we'd come up with. Well, our next question comes from Ella Bell and kind of touches on the the writing of the episode again. Uh, she says you went through about a dozen plots in the frame of job. As you're writing the show, do you ever think no, let's not use that one now because we can use it later in a different slash better way. This is Chris's rule. Future shows do not win over present shows. <laughs> no, we, we have a show. bias in favor of the present over the speculative <laughs> future. Uh, yeah, I mean, we yeah, we never... It's 20 minutes from now, for what, Whatever is the best uh, story to break right at this very moment is uh, gets, yeah, gets we, the we, nod. We pillage them. That is actually, yeah, it's, well, she say that in the room. That's a five minute from now problem and a 20 minute from now problem. And solve your five minute from now problems. <laughs> What happens when the 20 minute from now problem gets there? Uh, then that's a five minute from now problem. You get another 20 minute from uh, problem. It's, it actually also it comes from a friend of mine who's a, a fighter pilot said there's a thing that fighter pilots say is stay alive for the next 10 seconds. Next 10 seconds is all it takes. Maybe you lose the guy. Maybe your wingman comes in. Maybe he screws up and gives you an advantage. Just stay alive for the next 10 seconds. And there are certainly times in TV where you just keep repeating that to yourself over and over again, particularly when you get late in the season. You can kind of apply that to life as well. Yeah. Just stay alive for the next 10, te- ten seconds. <laughs> uh, and so kind of following up on that, Aquarius GB asks, uh, when did the idea to bring Sterling back for this episode come up? He's the only one who could keep up with the Nate and Sophie banner. Well, that was it. That was when we broke it. We needed a det- We needed yeah. an antagonist. Because Nate and Sophie just investigating a crime, there's no pressure on them. Right. So, you know, if someone's going to be about to arrest Sophie, Sterling. Yeah. yeah. It was that or introduce some new random 
person, and that just wasn't going to have as much as much evidence. And we've been looking for a way to bring Sterling back all season. Yeah. We kept looking for a good Sterling episode, and and when that laid out, and I think also the fact that we knew we were splitting the team up. Yeah. A little bit led to that because we were thinking, you know, we've only got it's a two hander. If we add Sterling, who's a recurrent character, now we've got you know more to play with. Uh, we can couple Sterling and Sophie off, which is a fun thing we haven't done a lot done. of. Yeah. 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 So it was it was pretty early decision. And I think when we did Girls and Boys Night out last year, we wanted to bring in a, a character from the past. We brought Hurley back then. Uh, and, I yeah, very early we decided that we would have Sterling with them. And there's actually a whole other version of this episode that has <laughs> Sterling in it that I hope we get to do if we're fortunate enough to get another season. Oh, desperately. Uh, that we're all really very I'm Actually, wait, I'm straight. I'm totally blank. No, there's a there's a whole there's a whole other <laughs> oh my that yeah. oh yes yeah of course. There's a whole other episode <laughs> we right. won't even beat this but yeah. now you can be uh, yeah you know your the Sterling fans will be uh, satisfied that there is another uh, Sterling story in the in the chamber ready to be fired yeah. should we should be fortunate enough to get another he survives season. the finale right yeah he survives the finale. Oh, <laughs> they love it the fans love it. <laughs> Well, something that I want to know about Sterling in this episode is please, please tell me that his other agents were nicknamed Sterling's Angels. Please. Please. <laughs> I think we, we may have done that informally. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had, there's this the scene uh, at the pool after Nate's jumped into the pool and he's standing there with the four of them and he's giving his version of the events and John and I were on set for that and we're just watching just that shot and <laughs> we look at each other like... This is a spinoff. I would watch the yeah. hell out of this show. Sterling and attractive, eager Interpol agents fight crime. Uh, it, you know, it's, it really just started as a joke of the idea that he sort of unwittingly had acolytes. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of, it just seemed like a funny, because we only ever saw them in pairs for most of the show. So the idea is we would just make them interchangeable and only mm-hmm. Sophie noticed. Because as, as longtime listeners of the podcast, though, a sane man, like the guy, the only guy who's sane in a crazy situation is the funniest thing in the world to me. It just, the person who goes, wait, so nobody else sees this. It just makes me laugh. And I really, and we actually had that beat with Sophie wound up cutting it on the editing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was, it's kind of, it was a triple. Yeah. It's like, she kind of notices and then she's like, wait, did you? And then by the third, she's like, okay, seriously, nobody else noticed this. There was one where everybody walks out of frame and then she just walks back into frame throws a look at the agent and then go, it was yeah. brilliant yeah, it was a locked up comedy phrase yeah it was nice it just wound up getting cut for time yeah so what I'm hearing is that one day we'll have the Sterling Interpol spinoff up on iTunes look you know, Nick Fury had Colby Smulders and Scarlett Johansson it just you just need two more and you've got the exact same configuration and look look Interpol and the Leverage versus basically Shield so. true true so for our grifters, we they can't download this spinoff yet, but we can always download all of our favorite leverage episodes off of so iTunes. Smooth. She's so smooth. There's my plug. Makes me want to. Makes me want to download. <laughs> so go download on iTunes at the season pass. If only Everyone we were sponsored download. by like Firestone. I'd love to see you work snow tires into this. I can do into this podcast. I can do You'd find a way to do it too. It would happen. Podcasting and, over. And we. Um, so some so some more questions. Maybe I'll throw something yeah, in there. See if you can do it. <laughs> just 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 for shits and giggles. See if you can work so tired. Now I'm under pressure, so I don't know if it's gonna work. Yeah. So moving on before we get off on a tangent on tires, Nav asks, we've come pretty close to understanding almost everyone on the team except Sophie. Her past is still up in the air, and I have no doubt she loves the team, but she's still an enigma. Are there any plans to bring us deeper into Sophie's backstory? Well, you know, it's hard to get traction on Sophie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's hard to get traction in a lot of situations in life, Kayla. Well, but we can't forget our friends at Firestone are always able to provide us with traction with their new tires. Boom! Up top! Up top! There you go! Thank you. Thank you for that softball. That was beautiful. Oh, and we got Kala! Kala talks! And life is beautiful. And life is beautiful. Roberto Officially Benini best podcast. Wow, you went Roberto Benini? You had to go there with that one Italian? The way she said beautiful made made me think of the sad clown Roberto Benini. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't live at the end of that movie? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, spoilers! Spoilers! spoilers. Okay. Uh, For our fans, Paola is Italian, just FYI. Yeah, there you go. Because well, <laughs> they did not catch that. <laughs> there you go. See, now she can't stop. Wow. No. This is the, Damn, it's the been, dam is broken, It's I know. been my thing We're all year. Yeah, thing. exactly. Um, uh, look, Sophie works best as a, as a constantly unfolding uh, onion. I mean, she's just... It, a grift a grifter is by her uh, a grifter is by their nature and her nature uh, mysterious and uh, ultimately unknowable and as soon as you know a grifter they're not a grifter anymore they're just somebody who lies mm-hmm. so uh, no <laughs> <laughs> you will never see all of Elliot's backstory you will never see Wolverine running through the woods in his poncy nightshirt with his bone claws <laughs> you will never see hunting a deer hunting then, a deer no and, yeah, no and then murdering it so he can drink its blood and become po- no. 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 <laughs> Does that question come up every podcast? There's some, a lot of podcasts. They like the tired of it. Well, I just want them to use their... <laughs> look, there's an enormous amount of fanfic out there. Go that... We're tired writing 15 episodes a year. It's exhausting. You want more? There's people on the web will write it for you. Well, our next question is... I'm a little afraid to ask. This kind of has to do about Sophie's backstory. That's but. Fine. Uh, Laura asks, was posing as a model for the painter how Sophie got introduced to art and then eventually art theft, or was it part of one of her cons? Uh, I will say I talked about this with Gina. And, and, and By the way, there is a complete Sophie backstory. Gina helped come up with it. Okay. She, she absolutely knows how this girl fell into this and that and the other thing and why the, the her name was not blown when the woman knew it in London, the whole bit. There's actually a completely coherent Sophie backstory. Uh, it is part of her sort of bohemian kick around about to get into crime days. So I'll go that far. I hope that satisfies the Twitter fans. Uh, so moving on, Anonymous asks, how did you guys come up with the interrogation scene? Because that was brilliant. How much was improv and how much of the banter between Nate and Sophie was improv and how much was scripted? Which interrogation scene? Any of them. Any of them. I think uh, they mean the first one. All the stuff in the pool, uh, all the stuff in the pool uh, room, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was mostly scripted and then they just kind of went off. I mean, really what was fun was watching Tim and Gina torment Mark. Yes. Because, <laughs> because they just, they realize they never get to do, that, that's a very specific scene structure where one person is driving and other people are being non-responsive. We don't usually do it actually because we're on the con. So when you have that scene structure, basically it allows you to bounce around in the background of the scene. And that's, mm-hmm. Tim and Gina were like, we never get to do this kind of comedy and just dug in. Yeah. And he had a great get a room look. Yes. Like, I mean, yeah. he never said the words get a room, you two, but yeah. his, but Mark's look was great. Yeah. I think we had couplets scripted for the two of them. So we had a two-line exchange for each of them at just about each of those parts, and then they just went. Yes. And then they did. It was, it was interesting watching them structure, too, because they do the couplet. Nate usually uh, leads the couplet. But whenever they do the couplet, the other one would do the throwaway. So they'd turn each couplet into the triple throwaway. It was really, it was, it was cool because, again, we mentioned this last time, Tim is really great at comedy and didn't do a lot of it in his career. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice that to see him like, kick loose when he's, when he's really relaxed because he's funny. 
and Gina, of course, film coupling and stuff is fantastic. So, well, talking about uh, Tim and Nate and and their interact his interaction with Sterling, Zob asks the quote second best detective I've ever known. Nate knows that he ties with Sterling as they can't outsmart each other. He managed to send him over a go- on a, over on a wild goose chase because Sterling knows the same. So was that line about bragging, or in the leverage verse, is there a better detective that can outsmart both Sterling and Nate? No, they're they're basically each thinks the other one's the second best detective. All right, that All is right. that is two guys kind of. <laughs> there, I'm not going to. The idea there's like a Mycroft out there in the uh, leverage verse that uh, you were going to go. I with. thought I was I was going I was going to go with though. We can't tell you that would be spoilers for season three of Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was that was that was there you go. There That's we go. Good. Well, our next question actually directly uh, leads off from that. There Aurora asks, "Do Sterling and Nate see each other's homes in Moriarty?" Wow. I don't know if they're arrogant enough. Well, it's, I, I it's, thought it was more Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. I mean, that yeah. is really like the the model we always went by because yeah. the Sheriff of Nottingham believes he is the hero of Robin Hood. Yes. Right yeah, and legitimately so. Yes. The, the argument we always make is is Sterling is not anti- is not a villain. He's an antagonist. Right. You know, and only an antagonist because this is the lens we look at the show in. In there's another perfectly valid show out there in a parallel universe where is Mark Shepard and his scrappy bunch of crime fighters chasing international grifters every week. Sterling's Angels. Sterling's Angels. Yes. There's probably a little bit more variety in that version <laughs> of the show. All right. Uh, so moving on now to um, the. The, uh, not our main characters anymore. Z Miles asks, why didn't the son accept being put back into the will? Was it just so that he wouldn't seem to have a motive to kill his father? Yes. All right. <laughs> That's yes. an easy one. That's an easy one. <laughs> Although, it, interesting trivia bit, because we had an earlier version of the story, and this got trimmed out for time, where it, it wasn't just the money that was the motive. It was that the son, uh, uh, the father loved this painter more than the son, is how the yes. son felt. And so the son was replacing all of the paintings with his own so that this artist, basically an attempt to replace the artist yeah. in his son's life. And so the, the ultimate monastery, that was going to be the one that, you know, nobody would ever see the real monastery. They would only ever see his. And that's the point at which he's fully taken over yeah. uh, as this artist in the son's mind. And it was all it was all very character and emo and subtle, which is why I loved it. And it really didn't fit very well. well. you have five suspects. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, very hard to do, like, yeah. you know, to sort of get in the pathos moment of yeah. why? Why yeah. did he love this artist who we have never met and never even seen a picture of who died several years before Act Zero? Yeah. Why did he love him more? Yeah. It's, well, it's the three-page scene that it takes to explain that as opposed yeah. to one line, which is money. Yeah, so, screw him. Well, yeah. also, uh, it's also the pity that we miss all the really good ways to kill uh, the art the art inspector <laughs> the, uh, that the room came up with and the yes. height of their inspiration. When, when, were you around for that? Or were you working on the other script? Oh, I know. I remember the oh, yeah. there. there yeah. was, uh, bow hunting. Bow hunting. bow hunting. We bow were hunting trying to come up with a classic death around a mansion, and it really was one of those days where it's just like, okay, room, we got a bad deadline. This is why we have a room. I am depending on you as one of your EPs to just give me how does this girl die? Like, I don't just want to drop a gargoyle on her head from somewhere on the mansion. And and not only did you and Kirsch say bow hunting, you dug in on bow hunting. You died, like you spent an hour arguing she died in a tragic bow hunting accident. And then, like, explaining why there was, was, like, an archery range on the mansion. It's a rich, rich people. They always have. But the, but the payoff for that was then, then the guy was going to bow hunt Nate and Sophie. Yes, and the, the most end. dangerous oh, game. So, yes, it was going to be the most dangerous game. Yes, it's that was the payoff. game is the most common card that's up on the board. Yeah, that <laughs> never gets done, ever. <laughs> also, it's hard to chase someone through a backyard with a bow. Unless you're the goalist. It's really, it's really hard to, like, keep really the nice fast job. draw, yeah, like, you know. 
would have been cool. Katniss. Yes, unless unless we actually write an episode that happens in the Hunger Games. Yeah. That's uh, which would be uh, oh, okay, maybe. kids. Go, go on. no, good. I'm sure somebody out there is typing. Revolution, that's the, revolution, revolution exactly. Hot crossbow action. They're really hard to load. They don't load fast. <laughs> Um, and besides that, bow or crossbow? We had that argument. That yeah, was good. Yeah, that went for a while. And I, didn't come, I, I didn't come up with that. All right, here's the thing. <laughs> so so I am frustrated at this point, and Josh Scher in the room, who sits directly to my left, yeah. uh, I say, uh, okay, he goes, I have something. Like, Thank God, a producer, like, like, like someone who's been on a show before has something. What's your idea? And he went, she falls in a bear trap. Not a, a, a close around your ankle bear trap. Oh, a is- bear fall with spikes in it. Oh no no! His first pitch was she's murdered in a by a bear accident. And I said no. so. So what? We like take a two by four and he drove five nails in it and then hit her in the face. So it looks like a claw did it. He's like, no no, that would be crazy. <laughs> what I'm pitching is they have dug bear traps around the perimeter of the per- the property because they've had bear problems, as one does. As one does. And she falls in one and dies. Bear fall. Wait wait, wait. she's killed. Was she killed by the bear no, in no, the no. trap? I oh, okay. foolishly thought she would. He was going to fake a bear attack. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Josh explained that no no that was crazy. She just died in the bear fall, in the bottom of the pit. To to say I was drinking this morning early was really. Really uh, an underestimate. It didn't get better from that. It really, it really, eventually we just hit her in the head with a brick. Just right here. Murder. Well, the, but the, the, the answer came when we did the location scout. Because it was, yes. for, for uh, luckily we found the location, because uh, we knew, I knew at that point I was going to be writing this episode, and I was up in Portland shooting the Gimme a K Street job. Yes. Uh, and they said, hey, come away with us for a couple hours. We want to show you this mansion. So we went and we scouted the mansion. As soon as we saw that pool... Um, which was a lovely little pool. Floating dead body in a pool. Yeah, and, and had these nice sharp corners right around the edges. The minute we looked at that, we're like, all right, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I think I called you from the... Yeah, yeah, it sent me photos from yeah. the place. Yeah, so we integrated that right in. And that gave us our great sort of diving in shot and the big crane shot overhead of Nate diving in. So, yeah, it was good. So no bear fall. No bear fall. Not this season. Goddamn writers. <laughs> nothing, nothing but disappointments. Well, we're already at our last official question for this podcast. And Anonymous asks... Did uh, Sterling and Nate ever refer to themselves as partners while they worked at IYS? I don't think we've ever heard them use the P word before. We actually, yes, I think at one point, um, I think we actually dropped partner once before. Okay. I think we did because when we did um, the Zanzibar. In in season one, I don't know if we actually said partner. We said they worked together. Right. Um, and they, they were actually, and that was interesting because we always talked about whether they were rivals or not. And then it was in the season finale where Mark and Tim were like, I think they were best friends. That scene on the roof. And that's the tragedy of the relationship is Mark, is, is Sterling really sees his best friend as having kind of lost his mind. And he lost him. Uh, and then they played it out really well in season two at the, when he tries to give him the bargain in the living room. You know, that he definitely plays that as you are my best friend. Let me pull you out of this. And uh, last season, uh, when um, in yeah. uh, Dubai for the chess episode, yeah. but the, we well, really I'm get a feeling of that. Marketplace. Because the reason we wrote that pairing when he calls him when Maggie gets in trouble is you see, you see what Nate and Sterling would have been like on a case, and it is terrifying. You know, it's like you will not. This is not something you will escape from. And the different two different ways they worked was fun to be able to do in that. So we've kind of touched on that relationship in pretty solid ways, all all five seasons. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, when it dies in the finale, that's... Ah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
Well, now that you've given our fans a heart attack, and that's the last official question. Do you guys have a uh, time for one one bonus question? We love your bonus questions, Kelly. We should we should leave the stage like Rush, <laughs> and then just there should be silence. <laughs> For a while before the bonus question, we'll and then we then we come yeah. out, and then there's and then one of us, then Neil Pert just starts off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> then just people go crazy. We'll incorporate that next season into the yeah. podcast. Oh, I like nice. that idea. I like that a lot. So Elabel has. Hey, a... hey, Tom Sawyer. Sorry, <laughs> I just had to. It's Rush. You can't you can't say Rush and then not hear Tom Sawyer. No, that's true. This is true. So Elabel has a writing question, actually. And she asks, John, in the last write-up you did, can you expand on the comment that all showrunners, writers, slash writers don't like the six-act show? How does it differ from writing, from a writing slash production standpoint, and why did that change? Uh, well, here's where I piss off the network. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, about two years ago, ABC actually was the first to go to a six-act structure, and then eventually that became a standard because although you only lose about 30 seconds of broadcast time, you add another commercial break. Mm -hmm. The trick being, like, look, I, I couldn't have written Rashomon in a six-act. Six, it was very specifically built around the five-act. Right. Um, it is, what happens is every time you go to a commercial, and Chris, jump in here, but this is my particular bugaboo. Uh, every time you go to a commercial, you, dis, you, you, you spend tension. Mm -hmm. You dissipate tension. And it is very hard to go out of a commercial on a sort of, oh, that's interesting, because no story has five, oh, my God, beats in it. Mm -hmm. they, they just don't, you know. That, classically, they have three. Uh, and then for TV, we kind of made four, mm -hmm. and now there's five, and it's just uh, it's it's just very different. So now, acts act breaks are soft. They tend to be informational, or that's a new bit of information that I have to wait through, uh, wait two minutes to find out what that means. It's and for us because we're very we're, we're a different kind of show. It is a super difficult structure. It, it, you know, and it, it I think it's devalued um, the act breaks, which you know happen the cliffhangers uh, right before every commercial. Because now that there are five of them, it's devalued them to the point where you almost throw your hands up and give up at trying to make a cliffhanger. Yeah. You can't make a cliffhanger out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, and you end up you end up with weak cliffhangers yeah. that are sort of like it's only a cliffhanger because you put some you held on his face for an extra long beat and put yeah. some ominous music behind him. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and you look at some shows, I mean, Mad Men. They don't care where the commercial break comes in. Sometimes yeah, the commercial break comes in mid-sentence. I know. Matt Weiner plainly is just like, hey, here's the episode. Cut it however you need. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, it's interesting it, how it's going to affect uh, broadcast certainly, television. We certainly, some episodes, uh, and, and I'm sure you can think of some, Chris, is when we just wrote the last two acts and just found the, the last act break in editing. Sure. Like, here, here's acts five and six. The act break happens somewhere in here. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So and so when we're plotting it, we just plot it as an Act Five. Yeah, that makes sense. So on that note, that wraps up another Leverage Ten podcast. Thank you again to all of our guests for joining us here today, and thank you to our fans for submitting their questions. As I mentioned, this is the last podcast for the summer season, but don't miss the Leverage Winter Season premiere at an all-new date and time, Tuesday, November twenty-seventh at ten p.m. Pacific, only on TNT. And we'll be back answering your questions after the premiere. I just hope that during the interim, our fans don't skid out in despair and, and, <laughs> and, well, and slide to, into a state of depression. I have to remind our fans that while you may skid out and slide into depression, you can always rely on Firestone to provide you with the oh. tires that will save you. Keep so your car from done so out. well. Just so and, good. Uh, <laughs> and we can't forget that uh, our own Chris Downey is going to be starting his own podcast. So Speaking please. of skidding out into the guardrail <laughs> and bursting into flames. <laughs> I can't pull you out! I have to run, I'm sorry! Uh, no, just just unbelt my seatbelt. I'm sorry, Chris! No, it's really, it's just stuck. Yeah. 
So uh, be sure to look for Chris Downey's podcast. Well, you you got to pick a name. You got you got to pick a name. You can't not have a name. <laughs> well, it, you know, let's just let's let's leave it at my name. It's easy. People know me, so they're not yep. searching around for some esoteric name I've given it right now. Um, but it's going to start up in a couple of weeks. I'm going to have writers on the show. We're going to be taking uh, uh, movie ideas I have written on bar napkins and scraps of paper. And uh, it's kind of a cooking show with bad ingredients. <laughs> That's great. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Left Hand Podcast, and we will keep you updated of when the Chris Downey podcast is premiering. And thank you again for listening. <laughs>